right? When Jesus started his ministry, it was Jesus. He was walking around with a group of people. uh, And after Jesus left, after he died for their sins, everybody thought that everything was stopped. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead. And with Jesus rose the promise of something new to come, the promise of something that was going to change everything. And for us sitting here today, that's good news. That thing is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. It's, it's God living inside of us. So we talk about God in a number of ways. One is, is God is the creator. God is our heavenly father who sits over and apart from everything going on on the earth. He saw it happen in the very beginning. He knows exactly how it's going to end. Uh, and that's God who is the ruler of everything. He is the just judge. He is the person who's in charge of all of it. God sent Jesus into the world to bring us into a relationship with him. Jesus is God with skin on. He lives the way that God would live. And he lived with the express purpose, with the undef- un, like unmistakable purpose of trading his holiness for our imperfection. He did that when he died on a cross for our very real sins. Uh, and then that wasn't the end. God had a plan to continue to work through those things. And that's where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit is the promise of God. It's the promise of Jesus. We were even reading in our shape journals this morning, hundreds of years before Jesus came, God began to tell people, Hey, the Holy spirit is going to come because the Holy spirit isn't just something that's going to be out there. Eventually the Holy spirit is God who lives inside of us. And so what we're going to talk about today, we talk about the Holy spirit living inside of us all the time. What I want to train and what I want to like shift our minds on is the idea that the Holy spirit actually lives through us. It's not just the word, the end of it comes in and it makes room in here and everything is great inside of us, but it actually flows through us to be a blessing to other people, which is a big deal. So we've been in the book of John. We're going to be in uh, chapter 16, verses 5 through 15 today, uh, continuing where we've going or where we've been going. And Jesus says this in John 16, 5. He says, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me and no one of you and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you grieve because of what I've told you. But in fact, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. What's happening right here is Jesus knows that everything is about to change for his followers. He's meeting them in their point of difficulty. I think that's good news for us because it's not this message of once everything is good in your life, then your relationship with Jesus is going to thrive. He's stepping into people's darkness in their complicated situation. He's stepping into their difficulty to say something better is coming. And I think that's awesome. And Jesus knows that we'll need us, knows that we will need him. He knows that we're going to continue to need a relationship with him as he go, as we go through life. And so what Jesus does is he sends us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us and live through us. And it's something that, that Jesus refers to as fire. Uh, when Jesus got baptized, the guy who baptized him, he says, uh, that someone is coming after him who's greater than he is, who's going to baptize us with water, which is baptism by immersion. We were scheduled to have one today, but we looked at the forecast and said, dude, if you get baptized, all your guests are going to freeze. So wait for a few weeks and that's going to be really good. Uh, But we're going to baptize with water. And then Jesus says, I'm going to baptize you with fire. And I think that's not just a, it's not just about Pentecost. It's about the effect that it has on us, where it makes us attractive. And it also makes uh, us different. It says that there's going to be something unique about us. You look at something, they get burned and it doesn't look the way that it used to. It looks new. It looks different. And so Jesus is saying, that's how, 
that's how you're going to be when I'm with you. And so what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit convicts us, it guides us, and it uses us to glorify God. It convicts us of sin, not in a punitive sense, not in a, we can no longer be in a relationship with God because we have messed up, but in a way that God is working inside of us, pushing us, motivating us, encouraging us to get stuff right with God. It's a spirit inside of us that pulls us closer to God. It convicts sin. It guides us. Part of that is turning from sin. Part of that guidance is as we go through life, trying to figure out what to do in every situation. It's in that. And it's also used to glorify God. Jesus says, and when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. The world's sin is that it refuses to believe me. That makes sense. I mean, we've been judged. We've been found guilty. We're identified in our sinfulness. And that's why Jesus had to come. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. That, that's the cross. That's the moment where Jesus traded his perfection for our sinfulness. He assigned us his perfection and he took from us our sinfulness. And then judgment will come because the rule of this world has already been judged. And he says, there's so much more I want to tell you, but you can't bear it now. All three of those things point to the cross and all three of those things point to the victory that we have in Jesus because of what he does for us. And the Holy Spirit is the proof of victory over our sinfulness. As God moves into anyone who asks Jesus to do it, anyone who asks Jesus for forgiveness of their sins, begins a relationship with God, the Holy Spirit moves into you. And that's your proof. That's your guarantee that God is actually in your life and you have been forgiven of your sins. And so that leads us to healing. Verse 14, Jesus says this. He says, he will bring me glory by telling you whatever he has received from me. All that belongs to the father is mine. And that's why I said the spirit will tell you whatever he receives from me. One of the, th- one of the abilities that God has because he's God is the ability to heal people. We read that in stories about the Bible all the time is that, that people are brought back from the dead, that lame people walk, that deaf people hear, that blind people see. And part of the gift of the Holy Spirit is that it's not just God living in us, but it's God living through us. And for us, our healing comes through Jesus's death and resurrection. When Jesus died for our sins and rose from the dead, it wasn't just to deal with our sin. It was to lead us into being agents of reconciliation and people who do God's will on earth. And that includes healing. Olivia has got some verses that she's going to put up that explain this. The first one of these, this is again, written hundreds of years before Jesus. I'm going to pull this over and we'll see if it doesn't crash. Cool. All right. This is Jesus. This is hundreds of years before he came to earth. And this is talking about him. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our weaknesses he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. That's talking about Jesus. Next verse is something that Jesus did in his life. It says that evening, many demon possessed people were brought to Jesus and he cast out evil spirits with a simple command and he healed all the sick. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, who said he took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. And then last one, this is one of Jesus's followers looking back at his time with Jesus. He says he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. And then this last line is what's crucial here. By his wounds, you are healed. 
By his wounds, we are healed. God created a perfect world with no sin in it. By God's creation, the way that everything was initially wired, there would be no sin and there would be no need for healing. And so when sin entered the world, when our first parents, Adam and Eve, did exactly what we would do, and that's make our own decisions apart from what we're told by God all the time. When they did exactly what we did to do, they they opened the door for sin to come in. And as it was in, it brought with it brokenness. It brought with us, it brought with it disease. It brought pandemic. It brought abuse. It brought cancer. It brought everything in our world. It brought poverty. It brought injustice. It brought racism. All these things came into the world when sin entered the world. And so much of the Bible from like page three until page 1003 is God bringing people to himself in the midst of a broken, hurting, sinful world. And so what Jesus did was Jesus modeled God's attitude towards sin. And it wasn't Jesus came and he lived among nobody and he separated himself as much from people as he could. He moved into it to bring healing, to bring people to him. And so we see Jesus healing people. We see Jesus bringing people back into relationship with him. We see Jesus bringing people back from the dead. Why? Because that's God's power living through him. And as we look at our own lives, if you say you're a Christian, then you've got the Holy Spirit in you. And the same things that Jesus did, Jesus has empowered us to do. He's every answer to every disease. And all this has begun to, made, to be made right through Jesus' death and resurrection. Now, I live in the same reality you do, okay? There's still broken things that happen. There's still things that we go through that, that God doesn't say, oh, it's okay, it'll be fine. Eventually you'll get over it. Like God hurts when we hurt. There's still so many things in our world that remind us in very, very sad realities that it's not perfect yet. Jesus has already risen from the dead. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to him. He's slowly making things right on his time. And one day there's going to be a time where every sadness, every dark spot, everything that's been made wrong is going to be made right again. And we're not there yet. In the meantime, what Jesus is going to do is he's going to use people like us as agents of healing. He's going to use the stuff that goes on in our lives to show us that he loves us to show us that he's got power to make right what's been broken. And so that's how we're going to close today. We're asking God to bring healing to us. The prayer team is going to be over here. They're not going to go there yet because I still have a little bit more to say. If you're thinking, man, we got a five-minute sermon today, not so fast. But we're asking Jesus to bring healing to our lives. We're asking Jesus to bring healing spiritually where we've been separated from God because of our sin. And what Jesus does is he comes in and he forgives us our sin and assigns us his righteousness so we can have a relationship with God. If you're here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus today, today's your day to start one because God loves you and he wants to move in and bring healing in your life. He also wants to bring physical healing. Any type of issue, all are covered under God's power. And God wants to make right what the devil has made wrong. God didn't intend sickness. It was never God's plan that you would get sick, you would get hurt so that you can come to some greater understanding of who he is. God hates sickness. Does he use it? Yeah. Was that his plan? No. Mental healing also. Whether you burned out your mind on drugs or you can't think straight for any other reason, God wants to bring mental healing. And if you look at it and you say, well, it was my fault. I was the one who did that. 
we're the one who makes our, all of our decisions around sin. And what God comes in, does is he comes in, he forgives us our sin. It's not like he only forgives the sin that was. And if it was your fault, well, then that's your fault and your problem. He heals the things that are even our fault. He wants to bring emotional healing. He wants to free us from depression or any type of disorder, anger, bitterness, unforgiveness, worry, anything. And I think this is the part of the area where, where we get into the way that we can be oppressed by demons. If you think about it, if there was a person who kept running into you and upsetting you late at night when you can't sleep or on your way to work or when you're in a situation that you're not comfortable with, anything like that, and they just kept getting in your face and kept making stuff really difficult, we could say that that person wasn't in, like somebody sent from Satan. And if it's a spirit inside your mind, inside your emotional life, that keeps leading you into ruin and keeps leading you into bad places. That's a demonic. And what Jesus wants to do, he wants to free us from that emotionally. He wants to bring relational healing to us. If divorce is is part of your past, God wants to bring healing in that. If you need healing in your marriage right now, there's no point at which God says, oh, that's too far. But instead, God wants to bring healing in that. He wants to bring healing between parents and kids too. If you look at your financial life, we have faith in God who holds, the, who holds the keys to our future, who holds our ability to provide. Like we don't have any our ability on our own to provide. That's something that we get from God. But at the same time, God is our provider in the things that are beyond what we can do, beyond what we can ask for. And we can ask God for provision today. We can ask God for freedom today around fear of not having enough money. We talk about tithing often here, which is giving 10% of everything that comes in to what God wants to do through the church. And that happens through tithing. It's one of the big rocks of worry that we can take from our life and give to God because we're giving God control of our finances. And if we're asking for financial healing, that means that could mean for you that today I'm going to ask for no more fear around tithing, but I'm going to step into that joyfully, step into that boldly, knowing that God has a plan that's bigger than mine and God has an ability to provide that is bigger than mine. And we're also asking for healing in our sexuality. That God created sex. We talked about this last week and I talk about it often. Just as a reminder, we have kids church, which is great for them to go to because we don't talk about this stuff there. That God created sex to exist between one man and one woman and one marriage for one lifetime, which means that as we step out of that, that there's going to be damage, not because God says, I'm punishing you now, but because that's, that's going against the way that God created us and the way that God created our bodies and relationships to work. So if there's damage in your life from pornography, from masturbation, from premarital sex, from extramarital sex, from an affair, God wants to bring healing to those things. He wants to bring healing around homosexual tendencies or homosexual past or homosexual presence. God wants to bring healing for those things. And if you're married right now and is, is broken and you're not having marital sex, then God wants to bring healing around that also because that's the, that's the foundation where he created it to exist and created it to be a good thing. And so it's not like we can say, well, God wants to bring healing about all these areas, but you know, this one is just a little bit too much. That's not true. That's not true of God's character. That's not true of who we are as sons and daughters of God that he loves and that he wants to work in. So today in humility, we're asking for healing. We're asking for healing.
A few, few verses after this, Jesus says something that's so timely for right now. For all of us, as we look at difficulties, as we look at our lives, as we look at a need for healing from God, he says, in this world, you are going to have trouble. That's true, right? We can agree on that. If there's nothing else so far that I've said that we can agree about today, it's the fact that in this world, you and I are going to have trouble, but take heart. He doesn't leave them there. He doesn't leave them with, you're going to have trouble. He says, take heart. Why, Jesus, why should we care? Why is this going to make a difference? Take heart because I have overcome the world because I have made right what has made wrong. And it is arrogant for us. It is idolatrous for us to say, you know what? I don't think God would heal me. I think that my situation is different. My situation is too hard. My situation is too deep. My situation is too much because of me. I don't think that God would do this. That's not humility. And today we're responding in humility. I don't think that God can fix this. That's not humility. And today we're responding in humility. I don't think that God would hear me after everything and after years and years. No, no, no. That's not humility. And today we're responding in humility. And you know what? I don't have a clue what's going to happen as we ask for healing today. But I know the heart of God. And I know that he understands our brokenness better than we do. He has a heart to heal our brokenness bigger than we do. He has a heart to made right what's been made wrong way bigger than we do. And so we respond in healing today, asking for him to come, to minister to us, to put back together what's been broken in our lives. Let's stand and let's pray.